Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. On April 14th, 2009, Angelo Colazzo and his wife welcomed their first daughter, Allie Shea Colazzo, into the world. Allie was born with type 2 osteogenesis imperfecta, also known as brittle bone disease. Little Allie died after a five-week battle. Angelo joins me to talk about how he has used kindness over the past 10 years to help other families dealing with OI. Well, first of all, Angela, let me just say that I am so sorry you have had to deal with the loss of a child. Um, I do want to hear about Allie's journey, but first, can you tell me what is OI? OI is short for osteogenesis imperfecta. It is a genetic um, rare brittle bone disease. Um, being genetic, it has to do with the body not producing enough uh, collagen. And with us, it was just a freak gene mutation that happened. Um, we don't have OI in our family. It was just uh, the bad luck of the draw, you could say. Mm, man, how common is it? Um, it's not that common. Um, every one in 200,000 birth has a chance of having OI, and that breaks down to like 0.005%. Wow, and, and yet your little alley was was born with it out of the blue. Can you tell us about Allie's journey? Yeah, um, we were excited to, um, to find out that we were having a baby. Uh, we did in vitro and we were excited when we got to call from the doctor. And then later on, we went to our 20 week ultrasound. Um, everything was fine. We didn't want to know the sex of the baby. Well, I want to know the sex of the baby, but we decided not to do it. We want to reveal the sex of the baby at our family's um, a Christmas party. But later that night, about 4 to 11, we got a call from the doctor saying there was a little um, curiosity about Allie's x-rays, or excuse me, her ultrasound, that her arms and legs were four weeks behind where they should have been. He just wanted us to come back in. He said, like, baby's moving around and it could have just been just a mismeasurement. One little measurement could just, you know, change the formula and everything could come wrong. So we went back then uh, a couple days later and it was confirmed that her arms and legs were four weeks behind where they should have been at 20 weeks. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, my wife had to go through ultrasounds like every two weeks and her body, she was growing, but yet her arms and legs were still not catching up with the rest of her torso. So he released us to a bigger hospital, children's hospital here in Rochester. And every two weeks, uh, my wife and I went, and mainly my wife went to get ultrasounds and every two weeks we saw a different doctor because it's a big practice there. Mm -hmm. And every two weeks we got a different diagnosis. Mm. And um, we had no, they had no answers. We had no clue. We didn't know what was going on. They were saying some form of dwarfism. They were saying this syndrome, this disease, this whatever, but nobody had a concrete answer. And then they finally decided after meetings like, well, at 37 weeks, we're going to do a test to see if uh, Allie could breathe on her own and if she can, at that point, we're just going to induce your wife, um, bring her out into the world, and we'll take a look at her that way, and we get see what's happening. Wow. So it, were you, I mean, gosh, I just have to say, like, for me, the, the, the idea of pregnancy is one for, for most couples that it's like, yay, you know, we're, let's, 
let's paint the nursery and, you know, uh, set up a registry and tell all the grandparents our favorite colors or whatever, you know. Uh, and you missed all of that, right? I mean, yeah. were you able to enjoy any any piece of this? We um, had a little bit. We had friends came and help us paint Allie's room, uh, put wallpaper up. And um, we even had, like, um, uh, uh, Kim, my wife, had, um, you know, a, um, uh, I was about to say bridal shower. <laughs> a baby, baby shower, shower. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we were still trying to stay positive, but it was, you know, haunting us that we had no clues what was going on. But we decided that no matter what happened, we're going to love this baby no matter what. Mm -hmm. So what happened at 37 weeks? Well, the plan was because I just started a job and I really didn't have um, that much time built up. I was going to go to work. And then once they decided that she was getting ready to induce her, they're going to call me and I was going to go to the hospital for delivery. But they called me like a couple hours earlier than expected. They were saying that Allie went into distress and they were going to do an emergency C-section. So I I don't even remember leaving my job. I, I just remember talking to my boss. He said, go. And I just remember I was at the hospital the next thing and everything else, like between my job and the hospital was a blur. Mm-hmm. And um, so we get there. She's in a room. And they said everything was calmed down for right now. And they said mm-hmm. if it happens again, they're just going to just not fool around. They're just going to do a C-session. So they end up doing a C-session anyway. A cesarean and um you know i was in a delivery room i was looking she looked normal to me when she came out she was um i looked at kim kim said how does she look i'm like she looks fine to me so they cleaned her up i took some you know i took a picture or two and then they took her off and then they came into her room and then we sat there and family came and it was like a couple hours before we heard anything else and then the doctor, because we were in the NICU, and the doctor came in with a team of nurses and geneticists, and they kind of shooed our family out, and they sat down and talked to us and said, well, we examined Allie, and she has osteogenesis type 2. And Kim and I are like, um, what? Right. And then when the doctor turned it over to the, to the gen- uh, geneticist, and he ex- broke it down, he said, it's a rare bones are basically kind of like chalk. They break really easily. And there's um, four types that they concern themselves with, but there's more than that. There's like, last I heard, more than nine. Um, but he was saying that Allie has type two, which is the most severe. And they kind of broke it down to us. And we, we were numb at that moment, at that time. And so they were like, you know, she probably... Um, won't make it past the night. Mm. And we were just like, what do you mean? There's nothing you could do. And then so, you know, we, uh, they lit us, they, they exited the room and we started talking, started crying a little bit. And then um, a little bit later, um, the doctors came in and said, they didn't ask if we wanted to have her baptized. They said, we could find a chaplain right now and get her baptized for you. That That's how you know, urgent, they want to do this for us. Mm-hmm. And so we did. And uh, one of the nurses found a dress. We couldn't put it on her because um, at one point they showed us her x-rays. And at birth, um, she had a, um, 
she had uh, broken legs. Her arm was broken. Her wrist was broken. Mm. Um, her ribs were broken and healing from just being in utero. Mm. And her skull was just cracked. It just looked like a roadmap when they showed us the x-rays. And that's kind of when it really set, uh, set, uh, set home with us about how bad it was. Mm-hmm. So we got her baptized. And um, it was a little later that, that she, this first time she opened her eyes and we got this, you know, um, we, she got to look at us and we were happy. That was, she took us from our lowest moment to our, our most happy moment because we got to see her. Mm-hmm. But um, she, she, she was proving them wrong. We were actually getting ready to take her home before she took her turn for the worst. She, she lived for five weeks. But um, it, it was very challenging because um, when, you know, your baby cry, you want to run to it and pick it up and hold it. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do that. It took us a week before somebody figured out how we could hold her. And it took two people to to help us hold her. We had to sit down in a chair. They put on our lap. They put her on a cushion and like the um, the like the lamb wolf stuff. They mm-hmm. lifted her up and put her in our arms. Oh. The only time we got to hold her, and I only time I got the to fill her skin next to mine was the day that she was passing away. And mm-hmm. um, the staff at the hospital was absolutely phenomenal with us. They gave us a dedicated nursing team because there's one day where uh, somebody was a nurse that was taking over a shift was doing stuff. And you, with Allie, you couldn't um, do regular stuff to her like you do anybody else or any other baby because she was that friendly. When they had to do um, blood draws, they couldn't put tourniquets on her. So they had to go through her skull to try to get the, the blood out. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you just couldn't you just couldn't hold her. You just we couldn't even dress her until somebody found out we could just take something, lift her up and. They had to have something that buttoned down the middle so we could at least put her in clothes that way. Mm-hmm. And she had to be on morphine pretty much for a whole five weeks of her life. Hmm. So they gave you your own team, and eventually you mm-hmm. had to say goodbye to Allie. Yes, and that was one of the hardest decisions I had to make because um, her ribs were underdeveloped. They were bell-shaped, and when... And they didn't know this until later. I, I can't fault them for this. Nobody could have figured this out. Because um, her, well, you know, when we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen and we dispel CO2 gases. Mm-hmm. But with her, her lungs couldn't expand enough to dispel all the CO2 gases. So basically, she passed away from CO2 poisoning. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty common with type 2 and, uh, and OI2. Um, we didn't know what to do. Um, one of the palliative care nurses sat with us and said, like, She's not going to be in the pain. We know you guys are all about her. And um, what's going to happen is that if, if you decide to take her off the oxygen, she's basically just going to fall asleep. She's not going to be in the pain. She's not going to suffer. She's just going to fall asleep. It's just like the miners when they get trapped in the mines. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no oxygen in there. They just literally just fall asleep. And she goes, and they go, that's what's going to happen. So made a decision to, to do that. And um, we're like, well, can we go in a private room? Because we don't want the sounds of the beeping and the noise in the, the hospital room being the last thing we hear. Right. So they did one better. They said, you know, there's a deck outside that we could take her to. And you guys just, we just close it off. And you guys could sit there and hold her until she passed away. And that's what happened. Mm. And that's when we promised her that we would keep her fight alive. The birth of the Alley Shea Project. So that was that was 10 years ago now and 
I'm wondering how you got from the point of that grief to the point of strength where you said, we are ready to hold on to that promise we made to Allie. It was um, shortly after um, somebody we do found, found out some information about OI and they found out there's a, a, a organization called the Osseogenesis and Perfecta Foundation in uh, Baltimore, or excuse me, in Gaithersburg, Maryland. They contacted them, told our story, and they, and they said, um, well, usually we, we help people put walks together, some kind, you know, to help words awareness. And after she passed away, the OI Foundation uh, was in contact with us and they, they helped us um, and showed us how to start the walk. So we, we um, got a walk ready within three months of after her passing away. And oh it, it, it helped us with our grieving. Yeah, it helped us with our grieving because we had a focus. Um, we took that pain and we put it into a focus for her and to help other people with OI and, and other families. Yeah, and I would think that that being public about it that way allowed the people who love you to support you in a in a time when really they had no idea what to do to support you. Right, and um, we did very well because uh, uh, one of the representatives from the Y Foundation called us uh, like a week after and said we raised over eleven thousand um, dollars at that event, hmm. and it said that was amazing uh, for for the time period and everything that you did and so we were, I was like wow that was uh, that was impressive we didn't even know how much we raised mm-hmm. and to be honest that was going to be the only thing we we're going to do we we're just going to do one walk but then we had, had people um, and people who heard about us in our, our interview that we did before the walk who had OI who lives in our city and like are you going to do another event and we we're like well we weren't really thinking about it and we just kept people asking us and asking for so we did a second one then it turned to the third one, then it turned to the fourth one, and then we started branching out from there. And now you have a website that people can go to to learn about OI, to learn about Allie, uh, and and kind of join in on, on your journey. You've raised more than $70,000 now for the OI Foundation. Is that right? Yes, and that's that's just counting what, um, what I know that we did. Um, people donated in Allie's name to the OI Foundation directly, you know, I, I, I'm not going to ask them how much they donated, but right. for us, I've started keeping records of that and we did over $70,000 and it's just, basically it's just my wife and I, hmm. um, my wife, more the organizer, cause she's a teacher mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I do everything else. I am like on the social media. Uh, we do have a second daughter. Her name is Ella, which is Allie spelled backwards. Oh, and oh. Uh, she helps out at times and she helps me make some funny videos. We try to do, uh, try to raise awareness. I saw a really cute one on YouTube of the two of you. You were doing an exercise montage and and all kinds of things. You call yeah. her Heart Girl. Is that what she calls her? So is that her superpower? Yes. <laughs> yes. Those are pretty precious, and I bet they raise a lot of awareness and probably give her a nice outlet for feeling like she, you know, is part of Allie's story as well. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. We told her a few years ago about her sissy. And there was a few tears and some questions, you know, uh, she was very curious. And, and there's times where 
she has a little doll and she goes, me and Allie are playing or, you know, she's like, sissy's looking down at heaven at me. Mm. Um, we used to do some balloon launches, just, just my wife and I and Ella. And she goes, come on, Ella. Yeah, the balloon. And then she even drew a picture, which all oh, made my heart melt. She had a picture of, she drew a picture of me, my wife, Kim, and her. And then, and then she had clouds and above the clouds. She goes, that's Allie in heaven. I was like, Allah. Mm. Oh, and how old is Ella now? She's going to be nine Monday. Oh, okay. Wow. So you have another uh, part of the Ali Shea project, which is giving away snuggle buddies. Can you talk about that? Yes. Um, this started about four years ago. Um, you know, they do the toy for tots things, and there's a one of the TV stations here, news stations, do uh, a toys for tots thing. And I was like, you know what? Is there something for kids with OI? I mean, because the toys for tots are like for kids in the hospital. You know, that's that's a great cause and everything. I was like, is there something for kids with OI? And I looked, and I didn't find anything. So I talked to my wife, and we decided to do it. And we came up with a name called OI Care for You, kind of a play on OI words, you Aww. know. And so we had our first donation of some snuggle buddies. Like some people had like um, um, new beanie babies that they you know they stored to you know to keep for like if they want to you know um, be popular again or something. Yeah. So they so they needed those to us, and then I put it out there in the OI Facebook groups, and we sent our very first one. It was an Olaf doll, and it went to a family that we know, and uh, we met at an OI conference years ago. And it went to their daughter, Zoe. That was the first one. It went out to when they were living in Omaha. That's the very first one. I will always remember that one. Hmm. And since then, um, that's another thing that I didn't think was going to take, you know, keep going for a while, but it has. And a lady who lives in Kansas who has OI heard about the story, heard about our story, and heard about what we're doing with the Snuggle Buddies. And she goes, she reached out to me and she goes like, I have OI, and when I was in hospital as a kid, it was the scariest thing after I had a break. So that's a wonderful thing that you're doing. And we have something here at the bank that she works at. Um, that, uh, I can't remember what she called it. Was like some kind of caring team. And she's going to get permission where she could ask for people to donate uh, snuggle buddies or you know stuffed animals and stickers and coloring books for us. And I'm like, sure, you know, that'd be great. And then she kept updating me about her progress. And then like a week or two later, she goes, she sent a picture of her office and it was like 18 boxes stuffed <laughs> with 2,000 um, stuffed animals. And to be honest, I still have a lot of them here. <laughs> Waiting for homes. That's right. Yeah. And so far we sent uh, 182 packages out, just, just the packages alone. The Snuggle Buddies, we probably a few hundred that we sent out because I, I put like three or four in there. Mm -hmm. um, so we sent 182 out to 41 out of 50 states and 10 countries. Oh, goodness. It's spread. Allie's... We all... mm -hmm. What? Yeah, we do this all on our, we do this all on our own. We, we pay for postage and everything for that. Wow. Like every, everything that we, we raise, all the money we raise goes directly to the OI Foundation. We don't keep one penny of it. Mm. That's, that is immense kindness. How has the Ali Shea Project helped your family with this grief? It helped. It helped to me personally. It helps a lot. My my wife is still 
she still struggles at times. I understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry about that. My phone buzzed. Um, my my deal with the grief is doing the LSA project stuff. I I, I dive deep into it. Um, I I wear my 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 emotions on my sleeve for this, and people know. Mm-hmm. And I um, I promise Allie that I uh, will keep her fight alive, and that's what I'm doing because. When I used to talk to her in utero, we said, you know, about the little sonogram thing where we could play music and everything. I promised Allie that I would keep her safe and protect her from all the evils in the world. And I know there was nothing I could do to help her, but part of me feels like I broke that promise to her to protect her. And so this is this Allie Shape Project helps me in helping other kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, Angelo, I would say that you absolutely did not break that promise because her spirit is alive, very alive and very protected by you in the way that you're carrying this on and helping other children. I am certain that she is is very pleased and tickled by what you're doing to to help other kids because it's important. You know, one, yeah. like the power of one is important because if you reach, you know, one parent or one child or one, just one person, and they know that their grief mattered to you, um, I think that lessens their own grief, don't you? Yes. Um, actually, um, one of the parents, like I said, Zoe, the one I sent the first snuggle buddy to, mm-hmm. met her mother um, at a conference that the one only conference that we're able to go to was in DC, which is only like a few hour drive for like six hour drive for us. And um, her mother said, like, um, I saw your video, one of the videos that somebody did for us talking about our journey and creating the LHA project. And she said, it gave her hope. And there's some other mothers that said, like, we saw your video and we see what you're doing. It gives us hope. Because a lot of, a lot of doctors are unfamiliar with OI. I mean, I know it's a rare disorder or rare disease. I say disorder because when you say disease, people kind of shy away from you when you say it's disease, mm-hmm. when they hear that. So... Um, a lot of doctors tell people like, well, your baby has a lie and you should abort now because your baby's going to have a tough life. And she was told that. And she was like, your story gave me hope. And here's my daughter now. She has a lie. Yes, but she's here. Mm-hmm. Wow. And to be given a choice and an option when mm-hmm. it looks like, you know, there's no option. Right. That's pretty amazing. Oh, what a remarkable father you are. And and I just appreciate that oh, you would share this, share this story with me. Before I let you go, do you have advice for people to deal kindly with someone who is grieving, who has lost a child, perhaps? I will say grieving helps. You don't want to hold it in because that's you're just going to just um make yourself even, you know, even worse or sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, just don't be afraid. You have a child. People ask me, how many children do you have? I always say two. I say, I have one in heaven. I have one is here. Mm-hmm. You know, she was here for a short time, but she was here. And, and my grief helps me. I hold on to it. It, 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 it blankets me with, with sadness and happiness at the same time, because she made me a father, something I always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to let the, I don't want to sound weird, but I don't want to let the grief go. 
Because mm-hmm. if I do that, I'm, I'm letting her. Yeah, I'm sure many parents will resonate with what you're saying with that. Absolutely, that they, they want to hold on to that piece, that element, because it's all part of, of the story. So for people who um, are speaking to you, how can they how can they react kindly to your grief, whether it's you or someone else who's lost a child? What are words that we can use? I would say, you know, just I, I, I wouldn't mind if people, you know, she like if she was still here. Um, she's still part of our family. Um, we actually we didn't have her buried. We had she was cremated and she's here on her shelf in her in our in our little office that we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's more part of our family than ever. And just I just don't want people to to say, you know, better place or anything like that. She's she's in my heart. That's the best place she could be right now. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, just treat her like she's, she's part of a family, which she is. Yeah. yeah. Angelo, thank you so much. I'm excited for people to, to learn more about Allie and your Allie Shea project. And they can do that online. And thank you, thank you, thank you for, um, for, for being brave enough to share your story. I really appreciate it. It's, it is definitely helping people. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much for this opportunity. That was a conversation with Angelo Colazzo, father and founder of the Ali Shea Project. You can learn more about OI and Ali's snuggle buddies at alisheaproject.org. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section.